104.5 The Zone. In Nashville, Tennessee, pal, I'm the man. This is Squared Circle Radio. Welcome to the Kevin Owens Show. The latest news and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. They make sure you ain't booty. And now... Squared Circle Radio. The face that runs the place. With your main eventers, Jason Martin, David Reed, and Brandon Haggerty. Welcome in. Good Sunday morning to you. Squared Circle Radio on the air here on 104.5 The Zone along with Brandon Haggerty. I'm Jason Martin. Glad to have you with us. David Reed off for the next couple of weeks. Just glad he's home. Because it wasn't the greatest of weeks, certainly. Obviously, keep him in your thoughts. Keep them. Keep him and Lindsay in your thoughts. Every single day, keep him in your prayers. We certainly have. He made uh, an appearance at the station, though, he on did. Friday. He did. I was not here for that. But. No. And that's awesome. Um, Little cameo bit. Yes. Walk-on roll. Yes. Well done. Good run-in by David Reed. Nice run-in. There we yes. go. This is a wrestling show, first and foremost. It is indeed. We talk pro wrestling on the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Zone Wrestling. WWE's pay-per-view is next week, Stomping Grounds, and I cared so much about it that at first I thought it was tonight, and you I was just like, in, I was really hoping in. there was going to be a Game 7 just so I'd have an excuse not to watch it. You walked in this morning, you were like, Stomping Grounds tonight, and I, you, I almost just fell out of my chair because I was like, there's no way there is a pay-per-view tonight. Sorry, it's 13 days it's after 13 Saudi days. Arabia, not... Jeez. Few too many shows. Apparently, they can't sell tickets to this Tacoma show at all. I can't imagine why, based on the lineup. I mean, the the fact that this entire card is basically rematches from Saudi Arabia or rematches from Money in the Bank or rematches from WrestleMania. And rematches of matches that, like, aren't even that great to begin with. There's really nothing to get you excited for this card. And the fact is, you know, they just spent... An entire month almost building to Saudi Arabia. And then you try to build to a pay-per-view literally two weeks later. Like you can't have that quick of a turnaround. Yes. You absence makes the heart grow fonder, and WWE doesn't play that absence game very well, especially with WWE network. We will talk about AEW here as well in a little bit. I'm still mad. I know you are. And we're gonna talk about that issue specifically. But Let's start here. Who is the guy in WWE right now? I was there trying to figure it out. Clear your schedule because I know exactly who the guy is in WWE. It's the best right in now. the world, isn't it's it? It's Shane McMahon. It's freaking Shane McMahon. And I'm glad that we started here because I've been, I've got a very short fuse when it comes to those two words, Shane McMahon. And I, I'm trying to be fair here. Like we got a little bit of pushback from some listeners on Twitter last week for being super overly, unbelievably negative. We get that from time to time. About one of the worst reviewed shows in the history of WWE that right. universally was panned by virtually everyone. That's true. But at the same time, like it does sort of when we get those messages and we get them from time to time, it makes me sit back and try to look at the WWE's product with a fresh eye and maybe I'm maybe there's things going on that I'm just not seeing and I was trying to be fair going into this week and I I really legitimately put it out on Twitter trying to be fair and trying to get a reaction from our listeners and our followers on Tuesday I put it out there I said what is Shane McMahon doing anything for you like because 
Just truthfully, it's doing nothing for me. Maybe it's doing something for you. Like, wh- what, is, what is it about Shane McMahon? Are you enjoying this? We got about probably, you know, 12, 13 uh, responses mm-hmm. from people that basically, no. Nobody, at least, you know, a very unscientific uh, poll on Twitter from people just saying, like, no. Like, he is being overexposed. He is playing significant roles on both shows now. On both shows. It's not just that he's being relegated to SmackDown. He's now over on Raw. More or less, he is the authority figure, on-air authority figure on WWE right now. Triple H isn't on air. Stephanie's not on air. Vince is rarely on air. He was on air a lot leading into WrestleMania with the Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan program, but since then, he hasn't really been seen. It's been only Shane McMahon. And not only that, Shane McMahon, this is the fundamental difference between Vince McMahon and his children. If every Raw in 1998 ended with Vince McMahon choking out Stone Cold Steve Austin, you think those people would come back the next week? No, they wouldn't. We've discussed that before. That's the fundamental difference is that Vince McMahon would allow himself to be humiliated. To be the butt of every joke. Stephanie and Shane do not. Well, I will say this in Shane's defense. This ain't Shane. This is Vince setting this up for Shane. The reports that you've heard are everybody's working with Shane's very happy to be working with him. He's trying to give them all the best lines. He's trying to be the butt of jokes, but they're writing him to be this other guy. I heard Wade Keller say this this week. He suggested he's starting to believe that Shane McMahon's going to be the world champion when SmackDown begins on Fox and that Brock's going to cash in and kill him. And that's going to be the end of Shane McMahon. That this whole thing is building up for Brock to cash in on him, annihilate him with like seven F5s. And then the next time you see Shane, he's back to that fun loving guy who's really not in the ring at all anymore. So let's unpack that a little bit then. That means everybody on your roster who has spent the last six, nine, ten calendar year months having to step into a ring with Shane McMahon and be equal to Shane McMahon. Like Roman Reigns in Saudi Arabia, Shane McMahon was his equal. Well, I mean, that's always kind of been true about Shane. Weirdly enough, like, I mean, he went, what, 25 minutes with AJ Styles at WrestleMania a couple of years ago. I mean, Shane is like... You're just supposed to go along with this as ridiculous and implausible. And if you really stop and think about the logic of it, it makes everybody on the roster look absolutely dreadful. But this is a guy who went 20 with Kurt Angle in that match at King of the Ring. Yeah, but he was also 30 at the time. Right. Very true. He's 52, isn't he? Something like that. I think he's like 47. Okay. I mean, he's he's, he moves like he's 52. Yeah. And he blows up. Uh, within three minutes of a match. Like, that. that's the thing. Like, Shane McMahon back then, like, he's always had the daredevil quality to him, but, like, you could you could sort of logically put yourself in a place where, like, a 30-year-old Shane McMahon who has some athletic ability can hang sure. with a guy like Kurt Angle as opposed to 47-year-old blowing up after three minutes in the, in the in a wrestling ring. Sure. Going toe-to-toe with the guy that's supposed to be the face of your company. Yeah, and that's right. Um... It it is very weird to me. I don't know what they're doing with Roman Reigns. I know that they're trying to build him and Drew, but him and Drew doesn't matter right now because it's like he has to go through Drew again to get to Shane McMahon again. 
and I don't know why Shane should be a destination for anybody. But there is one thing WWE has seemingly gotten right on SmackDown, and that's Kofi. And it's not just the fact that Kofi won at WrestleMania. It's that he wins every week with Trouble in Paradise. He wins with his move. I think he's 14-0 and since WrestleMania. Hasn't lost. There's been no 50-50. There's been no non-title losses for Kofi. They are making him into a credible champion because this is a novel concept. They're letting him win a lot of wrestling matches, and now you're starting to buy him in that role, even when he's still throwing pancakes with Big E on Tuesday night. So kind of contrast that, and I know that you specifically, Jason, don't enjoy the Iconics. Um, I understand the act. What I'm, contrast how Kofi Kingston has been built since winning the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. And I know that the WWE Championship is a completely different championship than the Women's Tag Team Championships. I'm not sure the Iconics have won a match. They have not, except against the no-names. They've had two matches against people that have had no-names. They have not won any matches, singles or tag, since winning the championships. It's arguable they're the worst champions in the history of WWE. And I'm not talking about their work or their talent. I'm talking about how they've been booked. There is no reason to take them seriously whatsoever. And I get, yeah, there's heat in that because they shouldn't be the champions. You're not supposed to like them. Yeah, but to an extent, I still want to think that they're good. I don't think they're good. And when they work, that doesn't help their cause. Because Billy Kay in particular is just not good in the ring. So you have to kind of try to find a way to protect them. Instead of protecting them, all that they've done is made these women's tag team championships totally meaningless in short order. Now, Sasha got mad, and one of the reasons she got mad is she thought her and Bailey were going to get this decent run to try and make these titles mean something. I mean, the Revival won the tag team championships on Monday's Raw. I think that's the first time those tag team titles have been on Raw in like a month because Hawkins and Ryder were the champions, and you never saw them anywhere. You almost forgot, at least I almost forgot for a second that Hawkins and Ryder were the actual champions. And the thing about um the thing about this women's tag team division with the iconics, like, yeah, they're not winning matches, but also who are they gonna work? Right. When's the last time you saw Asuka and Kyrie saying they're just television? vaporized? I thought maybe they were off TV because they were going to Saudi they and they just were just gonna focus on that show. They're just gone. And and what I heard was that Vince just said, nah, not into it, and just took him off TV. He was just like, he, he was excited about it, he put him together, and then he was like, no, we don't need this Asian team right now, and just... And then... It, and then Gone. We say what you will about the Riot Squad, but that was an actual developed Wow, team I forgot about them over completely. The last, well, and then they broke it up, and then the only person I have seen on television since then, like I think Liv Morgan has been was on SmackDown this past week, and that was that's it. Like I know, I think Ruby's hurt, so she's out. Yeah, but Sarah Logan true. has just fallen off the face of the earth. That's right. Also, her husband has fallen off the face of the earth. The Viking Raiders. Jeez. They were supposed to be in a tag title feud with Rowan and Daniel Bryan. That has changed, and they're gone. Like Rowan Hanser, are not even on TV anywhere to be found. Last Rowan time you saw him was like them and AOP. Rowan and Daniel Bryan are now working heavy machinery. That's right. SmackDown. That's what they're going with. They're going with a comedy act against Rowan and, and Daniel Bryan. And look, Otis is really entertaining. No question about that. Tucker Knight is a guy. 
Otis Otis would be good in the twenty four seven realm as well potentially. But I got to say, our truth just needs. We said this last week. Our truth just needs to hold on to that championship, like Bruno San Martino held on to the WWF title or the WWWF title so long ago because he somehow finds a way to continue to make this work. And credit to Mella, too. Like, she's been a, a decent part of this role. And, and credit to the people around. It's now, not only our truth I'm like, a little worried about our truth being locked in a trunk, unable to breathe, flying across. I have a feeling like they're going to open that thing, and it's going to be a casket match. And then Jinder's just going to be able to take the title out of the case because our truth is dead. It's <laughs> just going to be like King Tut. <laughs> But no, like the the people around, like Drake Maverick's doing good work trying to find our truth, and and I don't think he's ever going to find him. Like I don't think that story ends with Drake Maverick ever holding the twenty four seven championship. Yeah, I mean if it's much, it's much it's much more entertaining the way that they're doing it. But apparently, that's just something that Drake Maverick started doing. There's somebody that it's driving me crazy that we're seeing nothing from, and when we come back from the break. I'm going to tell you who that is, and we're going to discuss that. I don't think we're necessarily done talking about Kofi, and I do want to find some of the good things that are happening on WWE TV to speak about, one of which this guy might actually show up in person tomorrow night on Raw. We will look into that as well. Stick with us. Squared Circle Radio on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. Squared Circle Radio here on a Sunday morning in the Music City. Hope you're doing well. Brandon Hagney, Jason Martin with you. Brandon Zat Hag Haney. I'm at J Mart Zone. David Reed's at David Reed Radio. He is convalescing. Looking forward to having him back in a couple of weeks. And hopefully, finally getting some relief. We've sat here, Brandon. We've watched David for the last couple of years. The back just, I mean, I don't know if it's softball, what it is, but uh, we, I just hate, I hate to watch him walk because I know it's, just not comfortable for him. And he's, you know, he's tried to do the treadmill. He's tried to do some stuff and he's, his body hasn't been able to hold up for him to do it. And that becomes a problem as you get older. Yeah. It's one of the things, uh, when you were in LA a couple of weeks ago, he came, him and I came in, did the show live after takeover. And it was, it was rough watching him walk out of the building that day. Um, a lot of his problems started when he was younger. Um, if you ever hear, maybe maybe he'll tell the story one day. But he was like a bodybuilder. Yeah, that's back kind of the day. unique. Yeah, yeah, David Reed was a bodybuilder. Uh, I believe over in North Carolina. By the time uh, for a while I met him, he was not a bodybuilder. I mean, he was a softball player. I've seen him spend hours on a computer monitor looking at bats. I have also uh, watched him on a computer monitor design softball jerseys but no like a lot of this a lot of the back problems uh, started back then lifting heavy things uh, which actually you know when he told me that uh, a few weeks ago and all of the doctor visits that he's made over the years it kind of got me thinking because I'm a guy who enjoys doing the CrossFit stuff Mm -hmm. and I'm like yeah you know if I start you know my back feels good now, but it, you know, one day I'm just going to do like a, a, a squat snatch and it's just going to go. Well, you you just don't know. I mean, but hopefully he's finally going to get some relief and be able to walk a little bit better and, you know, maybe be able to do a little bit more physical activity, but he's getting to sit at home and watch pro wrestling. I don't think he's doing a lot of watching a pro wrestling right now. Well, 
I'm not saying it has to be WWE. In terms of like maybe classic Crockett stuff or something like that. In terms of like the three of us on this show, we've never watched less wrestling than we do right now. There's no doubt about that. I'm still, I I still feel the uh, the need to live tweet these shows. We need somebody else to pick up the slack, maybe a little bit on that. Well, a lot of my Uh, problem is I'm on air until the show starts, and then I'm driving home, and Nashville traffic even at seven is still a problem problem watching these shows <laughs> so it's just uh, so here's the guy going back to monday on yeah yeah yeah. Like, go ahead you can't keep going full hours without wrestling on your wrestling show it was funny because like, you I think said it was like there was 45 minutes in it was, yeah, it was like a, there, there was a lars sullivan squash there was also there was, was a second match too i'm trying to remember what it was it was also not a but anything that, of importance. But that one started at like 50. That one started like 750. Like you, I mean, the whole formula of WWE starting every show with promo parades, man. Like it's, I, there was nothing in that first hour of Raw that would make you want to stick around for the second hour. And I believe there was a NBA Finals game that night. There was, that was That's game a five. big one. 18 million viewers watched that thing. This was yeah, like I mean, one of the lowest ratings. The third hour of Raw was under 2 million viewers. Well, basically, at that point, WWE, I, I'm assuming, just sort of threw up their hands and said, oh, we're going to get killed anyway, so why not? Why are we even doing this? Uh, why would we even put the effort into this show? But, like, I maintain that you basically had an hour. You had 7 to 8. Before the game tipped off after, you know, probably 8.15-ish, somewhere around there, you had a full hour to where... If you wanted to keep a little bit of audience, you probably could have. And WWE just put out, you know, another promo parade to start the show leading into Lars Sullivan mowing through Lucha House Party in four seconds. And it's just like none of this is doing anything for anybody. And like nastily attacking Lucha House Party too. that steps thing and that deal with the ring post and... It was rough. It was sort of a weird weekend when it comes to injuries and people taking risks in pro wrestling because probably the biggest story of the whole weekend was Naito and Ibushi and their angle that basically centers around both of them trying to break the other's neck. And so there was speculation about the one gift that was making its rounds, the German suplex on the apron, that it was a botch, but it wasn't. That was exactly what they were trying to do. They're fools. They're idiots. I heard Brian Alvarez this week say, he says he hopes he's wrong, but Naito's going to die in the ring. That if you know how bad Naito's health is right now, you would be afraid to do, to do anything. And he said the this is the worst thing he could say about a pro wrestler, especially one as good as Naito. He would never get in the ring with him. He'd never wrestle him. He would never wrestle Ibushi because these two guys could go have five-star matches without all of these risks. And instead... They're just shortening their lives. And they, I mean, honestly, you got to look at a guy. If you're Naito and Ibushi, look at a guy like Shibata. Yeah. Who, who was there? Who, whose that career night. is over. Yeah. He was, he was there that night introducing Kenta. Uh, but Shibata's career is over because of unprotected headbutts. Yep. And I mean, as great as New Japan can be at times. Like, and they can give you the absolute best that professional wrestling has to offer. Their highs are extremely high. They also do some crap that just make you cringe. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable to me that this kind of stuff is still happening. 
But back in WWE, this is what I teased before the break. So there's one guy that I'm just like, where is this dude? And I don't understand. I should have, we should have known. But can we put out a, and, and maybe he was part of that deal in the elevator and I didn't see it because I wasn't paying close enough attention to the R-Truth stuff and how many people were there. But even if he was, he shouldn't have been. Can we put out an all-points bulletin for Buddy Murphy? Oh, he was not in the elevator. Okay, so Buddy Murphy. He's supposed to be on SmackDown. Yeah, he's on main event. That's all, you've, that's all he's done is a couple him, of main event and, matches. Him and Cedric Alexander both. Yes. Buddy Murphy. And David would say this, too, if he were here, because he still raves about that Kalisto match that they had when they were here in Nashville, which was like the only thing of worth in that whole night. I mean, we enjoyed being there, but... Yeah, that was a WrestleMania go home show. It was not very good. <laughs> Buddy Murphy's awesome. He's worked really hard to, to, to be a lot better than he was years ago. Got himself in tremendous shape. He's got a little bit of Kenny Omega in him, which is fine. And he's just vaporized into thin air. I don't know. I mean, you should, I guess, expect this. Vince probably never laid eyes on him before. Probably never watched 205 Live to even know what was going on. Or certainly not NXT. But how in the world do you just leave that guy sitting on the shelf? I mean, there's a lot of Do we have to see Baron Corbin? There's a lot of guys like that. 45 minutes a night? Um, and one of one of my favorite things, a lot of I can't remember, you know, some people on Twitter will do this where they'll say like out of however long a, an episode of Raw was, only this, this, much, this wrestling. much wrestling actually happened. Well, an actual hour of two oh five live is about ninety percent wrestling. Yeah, and it's not you know it's not something that we watch from week to week. Um, I actually did uh, go out of my way Chad this Gable week match. to go uh, go watch the Chad Gable match with, with Jack Gallagher. It was a bad finish, but like the rest of that match was tremendous. Yeah, it's just it sucks. It, that it was they a bit of a botched finish. The, like it wasn't supposed to be a count out. Like stupid that WWE did that, but yeah, that's but, very WWE of them. Like that that just reminds you just the level of in ring talent that WWE currently employs. Yep. Like they, we could probably say that their entire roster is bloated, but at 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 no point in their history. Have they had this much in-ring talent under their employ? And you basically have to seek out NXT, NXT UK, or 205 Live to see it for the most part. I, I don't know if I said this on air last week, but I read this. There are 50 contracted WWE wrestlers, or maybe over 50, contracted WWE performers that have not been on television in at least six weeks. That does not surprise me. And it's me not a bunch of no-name guys. When's the last time you saw Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura on TV? How is that possible? I mean, right. when's the last time you saw Anderson Gallows? I know they're going to be heavily featured in, in WWE's tour of Japan, um, including reuniting the club yep. with AJ Styles and Triple H. Woo-hoo! Because Triple H apparently at this point in his career is just checking off a list of all the groups he wants to be a part of. He's like, I've already been an honorary honorary member of the Shield. Move on to the club. Next is going to be the Bloodline. I'm going to be a Samoan for a night. He's going to end up with the Elite. <laughs> that's going to be the, that's going to be the one no one's expecting. Alistair Black still chilling in a room somewhere, can't get out. But I will say this, and I guess you can transition from here. Alistair Black cut a. He did a, one of those promos in the room 
whatever on Tuesday saying he got mad and he started throwing stuff around the ring or around the room because he's like, the door's been wide open and nobody wants to walk into the room to have a match with me, to wrestle me, all this kind of stuff because he wants to perform and this and that. I'm sitting here thinking, well, there's also this dude in the Firefly Funhouse who continues to talk about a door and going in and out. I'm not suggesting that's going to happen. I don't know whether or not it would work or not. But you've got kind of a strange character in Aleister Black and an incredibly strange character in whatever it is that Bray Wyatt is doing right now. And both of them are talking about doors and one about letting him in and one about somebody coming into a door and abandon all ye hope, all who exit here on Firefly this week. and all. There's a lot happening here. But the big thing about all of this is we can sit here and name a bunch of very talented people that you just don't see anymore at all. And it's not for lack of television time for WWE. The wild card rule, which has kind of just been... It's not even mentioned. It's just there. And it's always the same about six to eight people. It's what USA and it's what USA demanded, which was you're not going to take Roman Reigns off our show or whatever like that for the fall. So they created all this other kind of stuff. And the wild card rule, and then apparently USA is also responsible for the 24-7 title. Yeah. And of all the ideas, that was the best one. Yeah, and I continue to just wonder. Yeah, they had they what didn't make the cut? USA sent WWE a list of ideas that would kind of punch up a Raw from week to week. And apparently Vince McMahon didn't feel like he could just flat de- decline all of them. And the 24-7 championship was the least bad. So what what did we not get? Think about that for a second. Like, I I, I can't even come up with a joke here. I'm just thinking about the Bobby's World meme again now. <laughs> which is still rattling around in my brain from a week ago. And Triple H is probably already on the lookout for his next motorized device that's going to get him to the ring for the Saudi Arabia show in the fall because we do know they're going to go back. We're talking about guys. uh, Buddy Murphy could easily be on SmackDown from week to week. No doubt. A lot of guys that could be on SmackDown from week to week. Instead... The first 30 minutes of SmackDown on Tuesday, which, by the way, is 25% of the show, was dedicated to Shane McMahon. And a gauntlet to get to Shane that Miz couldn't Miz even finish. Miz never actually got through. It just ended like it was a, it was a Miz TV segment followed by like this mini gauntlet match to get to Shane. And then the, the quarter hour ends with Shane McMahon choking out Miz again and humiliating him again. Incredible. We'll be right back. Squared Circle Radio, 104.5 The Zone. One and only. Squared Circle Radio, rolling right along on a Sunday morning. The coach, Doug Matthews, Big Orange Sunday, coming up next here on 104.5 The Zone. Tomorrow is the 2019 Golf Classic. All the shows are going to be out at Champions Run Golf Course. That's 14262 Mount Pleasant Road in Rockvale. That ought to be a lot of fun. I, I could mention all the sponsors, but there's so many on this sheet. I don't have time. We only have 30 minutes left in the show. <laughs> Everybody's a part of this joint. It's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow out there for sure. So you said during the break, can we talk about anything positive? And I said, well, we talked about Kofi, and we could talk more about Kofi and how they have booked him effectively. It's I, good to see Big E back. Yeah, it was good to see Big E back. Like I know, he I thought kinda, he was going to be out a lot longer originally. Yeah, I know he had that like little mini return, what 
three weeks ago now that just ended with him getting quote unquote attacked backstage by Kevin Owens. Like it's good to actually have him back in full because Big E, I mean, we joke about it a lot, but it's really true. Like that dude just sweats charisma. Yeah, he does. And he sweats a lot. So he sweats <laughs> a lot of charisma. He does. I was watching E3 last week. I was watching the Microsoft press conference and they had AJ and Tyler Breeze and of course Xavier Woods for like the Gears 5, the Gears of War 5 deal. And they were like under the stage playing this mode and they didn't actually do anything. They just showed the three of them playing and Xavier Woods does his thumbs up and I thought that we we're going to see like a demo. Nah, like it just showed that they were there and I guess they're still there. Like there's... <laughs> Because didn't, didn't Xavier on Tuesday night say he wanted to get back to E3? Yeah, and they were there the rest of the week. Yeah. So that was weird. It's just like, so AJ's just sitting there playing, and they just they, they weren't playing against anyone. There was no point here except here's three WWE wrestlers playing Gears 5. Let's just say Keanu Reeves was more effective. Right. And that was awesome. But Keanu I'd, Reeves having a bit of a... It's an awesome year for him. He's having a great year. Yeah. Toy Story 4, too. That uh, always be my maybe. Yeah, that uh, movie on Netflix. My my wife and I actually watched that a couple of weeks ago. His cameo in there, highly effective, very funny. His cameo in Cyberpunk looked pretty effective too, and of course John Wick and everything else he's doing. So everything's going pretty well for him. I do before we leave, and we're gonna, before we leave WWE. Bray Wyatt is potentially going to be on Raw tomorrow night, like live way, and I, in person. Yeah, I I guess. I mean, if you're going to tease or promote that he's going to be on Raw, I would imagine that is going to be live and in person because he has been on Raw every week for the last two months just in Firefly Funhouse vignettes. Yeah, so maybe we're finally going to see what this looks like. It seems more and more likely that what David suggested originally, I think it was David, and one of you two, that he's going to play a split personality that... Sometimes he's going to come out with the psycho clown mask on and all bets are going to be off and he's going to be heel. And other times he's going to come out and be trying to be a good person and be a baby face. There was also talk that the rabbit trying to spill the secrets of the funhouse was like an inside shot at Moxley or like a, a way to look at Moxley from WWE's perspective. But I think Bray is writing all this content or most of this content so I wouldn't imagine he's taking a shot at Moxley as much as just like talking about the podcast and all the things that yeah, Moxley's been doing. I can't imagine the uh, Vince McMahon puppet with devil horns would have been, been a Vince idea. Would have been a Vince idea. Probably not in 2019. But I am curious to see if he's in person, what he does. And who shows up? Because somebody has to show up. Well, maybe not. I mean, Dolph didn't have an opponent for like six weeks when he was doing that I'm stealing everybody's entrance thing that was one of the worst ideas that went absolutely nowhere. So it's possible he just shows up and does the Funhouse live for a month or two. And they put like a Pee Wee's Playhouse set up at the top of the ramp. And they just start doing those things live, which is not going to be good because they can edit them and do a lot of different things to them behind the scenes eventually this has to lead to a match and that's just that's the part where i'm still like eventually it's just going to get down to bray wyatt wrestling again not with a style change he's just going to keep doing what he's always done just with this character i'm still trying to give this time i like that it's unique it does intrigue me i do actually seek it out when i'm speeding through raw 
when I'm not watching it live, I'm like, okay, well, I'll see what they've done on the Funhouse this week. I don't know if I like it or not, but it does have my attention, which I guess is a positive. And that seems to be at least, I don't think anybody's like speeding through it or passing it. We're trying to figure out what the heck it actually is, which is a good thing in a WWE that we seem to know what a lot of the other stuff is, and it's not good. I think for a lot of people, it's actually the highlight. I, of I think it has people. become that for many people. It's at least something that's I try to find week after week, so that's a good thing. A lot of people were trying to find seats to Chicago for AEW's All Out show that's coming up Labor Day weekend. One of those people was you, Brandon. And one of those people are uh, sitting in the studio as we speak. Um, my wife and I had discussed this a little bit ago because Chicago has kind of been one of those cities that we've never visited before but has been on our list we were looking at Labor Day weekend, wouldn't have to take any time off because you have the Monday off. The Cubs are also in town. You can make a full weekend out of it. But I knew that all all out tickets were going to be difficult to get. I did not know they would be this difficult. Um, AEWTicks.com on Friday, they sort of did this whole random thing. You were given a random number as soon as the uh, 11 a.m. Central happened uh, and my number was somewhere in the twenty one thousands. And then I just went so on to that, see after you after I saw your messages, and I was at like sixty eight thousand and so made it at, to fifty eight thousand. That's when it shut down. At that point, um, I'm thinking to myself, okay, my number is twenty one thousand for an eleven thousand seat venue. I'm done. So I basically, after about two minutes, decided to hang it up. My wife actually. I tried it at the same time. Her number was somewhere about 10,500-ish. So we thought maybe if by some miracle she might be able to get tickets. That did not happen, although she was actually given access to the website at some point, despite the fact that no tickets were available. Uh, this show sold out in 15 minutes. Uh, good, Just straight-up props uh, for All Elite. But at the same time, like we're, I'm not blaming all elite here because every high demand ticket uh, right now in 2019, there's some messy stuff around it. But the fact that within an hour, within an hour of those tickets going on sale, about 800 of them showed up on StubHub, shows you what people were going out were were out to do. Yeah, there was a markup of over 700 percent. Yeah, it's like right after the show. Now, once you get down to that weekend, these are family, these are friendly price points. And that's one of the things that All Elite has has promoted and good for them because a lot of big time wrestling shows, you if you want to be in the venue, you're going to have to pay about a hundred bucks to sit at the very top corner of the arena. That's basically a WrestleMania. If you want to get in there for a hundred bucks, you ain't seeing anything. Yeah. Um, but I, I believe the Cody announced the other day that the most expensive ticket would be about 150 bucks, and you would be hard camera side, yeah. uh, lower level. Uh, the the cheapest ticket would be 35, and those are very friendly price points. But then people uh, show up on Friday, gobble up all those tickets, and all of a sudden those 35 dollar tickets become 135 on StubHub, which is exactly what happened. Yep. And I don't know, and I tweeted this out after, you know, talking to you and you were miffed by it and had a reason to be. 
and I've run th- run into that problem trying to get tickets to other stuff in the past. I don't know necessarily what the answer is. It's really hard to try and I mean, verify outside, who real fans are. And outside like of that. what the uh, Foo Fighters did here in Nashville with the Beat the Bots thing where yes. you actually had to show up physically. I remember driving you yes. to Bridgestone Arena and dropping you off at the box office because that's that's basically the only way you can beat this system right now. Yeah, it's. I don't know what the solution is. I mean, AEW can't care, nor do they know who's buying their tickets. It's probably getting to a point where maybe they can run bigger buildings if they want to. That's, I understand why you would go back to the Sears Center because it was the site of All In, and this is you know sort of the this the logical seek, sequel to that. But like after this, you know, all of a sudden. Yeah, you sold out a 10,000-seat arena. Now you could probably go 17, 18,000-seat arenas and sell those out. That's how in-demand All Elite is right now. So the question is, in like you know two weeks before that show, are you going to look and see what the tickets are then? Because I know that Double or Nothing, day of, day before, two days before, had dropped like 20 bucks on all the secondary sites because the bots weren't getting... Scalpers and weren't I did, getting five hundred dollars. I, a I did have a, a listener tweet me who went to All In, or maybe it was Double or Nothing. I think yeah, it was Double or Nothing, and said that they got really good prices two weeks before uh, the actual time. And and maybe I will. I don't know. We'll try to figure. something out. I mean, you out know, you found like a in, decent but, flight and all that kind of stuff, but you could get that stuff and cancel it if you decided not to go at the end. You could still take advantage of that stuff. And then just kind of sit around and see what comes from from this. And I think there'll probably be a lot of people that do that. I, the only thing that I hate about this whole process is it displaces the real fans of the product just in favor of making a buck. And I understand making money is important to a lot of people. But a lot of people that were sad, that, that really wanted to do this. And it's not like it's just AEW. AEW is just the latest of a million different examples of how this looks. And so I guess congratulations to anybody that got tickets to that show that actually wanted to go. I talked to Brian Glassbeagle Friday morning, and he lives in Chicago. He couldn't get them. There are a lot of people in town, you know, 45 minutes away, 10 minutes away, couldn't get tickets. So there's... Like, this isn't a rant against all elite. No, not at all. It it couldn't be. It's not their fault. By any stretch of the imagination. It's just, it's, it's a rant in general against ticketing process for every event quite frankly every in-demand event event goes through these kinds of things where the the tickets get snatched up uh, by people who have whether it's you know scalpers or, or an algorithm or yeah algorithms or if it's just a person an actual person because i think that you know by giving random numbers and and not really going through ticketmaster i think all elite was trying to combat some of that stuff. But like, I mean, when you have actual no plans of going to this show, you just want the ticket so you can, you can then sell it for a 400% profit like that. There's a problem there. Yeah. And you know, when we met, when the hosts met with the predators before last year and even midway through this, they are working on some kind of a procedure where you have to verify you're a fan of the predators and it's a mobile ticketing deal and all this because they don't want visiting fans filling Bridgestone Arena. 
they want it to be an atmosphere full of predators, so they're finding a way to like keep them off the secondary market. I can't remember all the specifics, but they're looking at a they're experimenting with different ways. And it's not really about scalping as much as it is making sure that the atmosphere is the best home advantage that you could possibly have in the NHL. I, again, I don't know the answer. I know Eric Church has tried to change, it's tried to fix it, offering some things through his website. I know a lot of bands and stuff like that certainly have their own insider lists. Maybe that's something AEW could look to do because it's kind of a trendy thing right now. It's not an easy solution. Again, this ain't a dog on AEW. It's not a dog on WWE or NXT or anything else like that. Those things are really hard to get for very same reasons many times. It's just unfortunate and frustrating that there's no answer here. That's the only problem. Right. We'll be right back. Final segment. Squared Circle Radio here on 104.5 The Zone. Final segment, Squared Circle Radio, here on a Sunday morning in the Music City, along with Brandon Hagney, I'm Jason Martin. We've been talking pro wrestling for about five and a half years here on The Zone. David Reed, our partner in crime, he'll be back soon. Glad to hear him on Friday on the Midday 180. He's uh, recuperating from back surgery. We're certainly with him in our thoughts and prayers right now, him and Lindsay both. So we talked about AEW and the ticket situation there in that previous segment. Let's talk about AEW in a different context here. Fighter Fest, which is coming up here pretty soon. Yeah, I think it's June 29th. Yep, so the week after Stomping Grounds in Tacoma. Fighter Fest is going to be free if you have BR Live. So I guess that means it's five bucks, right? Is it five bucks for BR Live? BR Live's free. Oh, okay. You just have to sign up for an account. Yeah, that, gotcha. like, that's one of the things like Meltzer... Uh, was saying, like, yeah, it's free if you're a BR Live subscriber, but, like, a BR Live subscription is free. Like, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's free. So they're going to run this show free, and it's a smart idea. They got nearly 100,000 buys at 50 bucks, so they did a good job there, and I heard a really good, you know, I, I thought that was going to turn out to be too much, but I heard a really good explanation of, TNA or Impact raised their prices, or no, they dropped their price from 29 to 19 recently. Nobody that was willing to pay 20 wouldn't have paid 30. If you're, it's not like all of a sudden, oh, well, now I'll get Impact because it's 20. No, you were either going to be invested at 30 or you're probably not watching Impact. Yeah. And that seems to have been the case when companies have dropped their rates, all they've done is lost money on pay-per-view because the audience that's going to buy it is going to buy it. Exactly. So I was wrong. AEW did fine because they had enough interest at 50 or 60, so they were able to make more money. Here, I think it's smart with what's coming up with TNT and TBS and and, you know everything that AEW is likely to be doing to just get as many eyeballs on the product as you can and using Turner's, you know, BR and the Bleacher Report tie-in and all that. This is smart. Because if a lot of people were to actually tune in and watch this and Fighter Fest turns out to be a good show, then you've got potentially a more built-in audience for TV, but you might also be able to sell more for All Out. It also uh, seems like they're going to do the same thing for Fight for the Fallen. Yeah. Which I believe is somewhere mid-July-ish. It would be cool if they kept doing this and like the Fighter Fest and the Fight for the Fallen became the equivalent of the old NWA WCW Clash of the Champions shows on TBS. Where they were not quite pay-per-views but pretty close. And you had a couple of matches that could have been on pay-per-view. Now the Clash model has widely been panned for too many super shows. 
So maybe you don't want to do it. But if I'm AEW, I would do, I would put one of these out there on BR Live every four months or something like that. So you maybe get three free shows a year that were pretty high end, bigger than the TV, running some angles, maybe actually closing a few angles and moving on to some new stuff just to get more eyeballs on the product at a higher degree and then say, hey, if you like this and you like the TV, go all in, you know, no pun intended, and just get, you know, crazy with AEW. Yeah, and I I, I thought it was smart to, like, first off, this fighter Fest thing is a bit, like, you're going to see some talent on this fighter Fest card that you're probably not super familiar with. Well, the Joey Janela-Moxley match obviously is going to be nuts. And, and Cody, I think his opponent is a, is a guy that's not super well-known in the mainstream. So basically, like by making it free, you're going to get more eyeballs on the product. You're also going to get more eyeballs on these talents that aren't the Young Bucks, that aren't Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, John Moxley, so on and so forth, Cody Rhodes. Like To get more eyes on those guys, that just builds them up as well. Like I think it's smart um, to not then bleed your audience for of fifty dollars just right after they did it last month, and then do it again for Fight for the Fallen, which is going to be like three weeks later. To have those two shows be free, and then ask them to pay fifty again for All Out, I think that's a great model. I do too. Omega and Moxley. Omega and Moxley at All Out. Like that thing, that's going to be tremendous. not like it's a big surprise based on how how double or nothing, double or nothing ended. ended. I mean, it set this thing up, but now they're going to give you the match. And I would say Moxley right now is about as big a star as he's been in a long time, at least in terms of an interest level. I heard a comparison that had he not left WWE, he'd probably be in Drew McIntyre's spot underneath Shane McMahon right now. So I'm sure he's probably happy where he is. I think he's fine. Not like Drew's doing terribly or anything, but. He's a setup guy for Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon. Who is the biggest star in the company? The guy. Is it him or Becky Lynch? It's, it's Shane. Becky's kind of dropping a little bit, right? Yeah. Shane O'Max on the ascent. Working with Lacey Evans not been a great thing. Has not. We'll get you set for that uh, pay per view stomping grounds next week. For Brandon, I'm Jason. This has been Square Circle Radio on 1045 The Zone. Yeah.